But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining us, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Currently preserved in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign outside the door saying, beware of the leopard. <laughs> that's a, okay. That sounds like it's from something. And and that sounds Douglas Adams. Oh right, right, right. I, I, it's been so. I should reread that. It's been too long. Uh, also joining us is your co-host Julie. Hello from the great snowy north. It's sn- already. It just turned first, November. First snow yesterday. Oh jeez, Louise. Uh, your co-host Jacob. What year is it? <laughs> your co-host David. Pyro 3 is an ugly planet. A bug planet. What's that? What's that from? It's a space villager reference, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Sadly, Thorsten is still having internet issues. uh, We haven't seen him on the server in a little while now, which is a real shame because the server is not the same place without him. Um, So hopefully Thorsten gets his internet back soon and we can have him back in in the in the rotation. But, uh, friends, I want to talk about a kind of hot button topic today. We, we have to dance. We have to dance around certain areas of this one. So we're going to be a little careful, but we might hope, hopefully we won't mess up, but we might, we're going to talk about games preservation today. And it's an important topic because like so many games are disappearing. So many games are, are with shops closing down and, rights hell and all sorts of things like so many so many pieces of art are basically just disappearing and um i wanted to start by asking each of my co-hosts a question and um that question is what is a game that you used to have access to that you don't anymore or that you wish you had access to like what's a game that isn't available on steam or gog or one of the e-shops that you wish you could just buy today. And I, I will start um, with two quick ones. Um, the first is the game on the stream called Millennia Altered Destinies. that came out in 1995 uh, from Take-Two Interactive. And it's an amazing time travel game. I've spoken about it on this show at length. And you can't legally buy it on any digital distribution platform. You have to go to eBay or something and get a physical copy. Um, the other one I was going to mention is Gunship 2000, which is even more perplexing because there are already so many microprose games uh, available on Steam and GOG. But no Gunship. But not either Gunship. Well, the third Gunship, for some reason, the worst Gunship is available. The one that came out, Gunship with an exclamation mark, uh, that came out in, in 2000. You could buy that one, but why would you? Because uh, it's terrible. Um, but the good Gunship games, the original and Gunship 2000, which I think is one of the best helicopter flight games you can ever buy, uh, you can't buy them for some reason. I, I don't know why. So I don't understand why those games aren't available. Probably rights. Um, but those are games that make me very sad that you can't just go out and buy them. And I can't tell someone to go to this steam link and buy them. It just makes me really sad. 
Um, so I will ask around the virtual table. Spaz, do you have a game that, you know, you might have had access to at one point, but you can't buy any longer that you wish you could? Uh, it's kind of an easy one for me to answer this one, even though the game in question hasn't aged all that well and wasn't all that great in its time. I just wish it had gotten more content for it and done better. And that would be Star Trek Birth of the Federation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's another weird one. Like, there are some Star Trek games available, but not other Star. Like, why can I buy Star Trek Starfleet Command one and three, but not two or Ryan Pirates? Like, what is up with that? And that's another one. Birth of the Federation. One of the actual good Star Trek games. Why can't you buy that one anywhere? I, I don't I don't get well, it. It was good, but it also had right. problems. But but it's no away team. It's no strand. It's no uh, what's that other one? New Worlds. Uh, was, was that that yeah, one? Worlds. It's not that weird like, ground combat. There was wasn't there was another one weird ground combat one that was aping the worst half of Empire at War as a Star Trek game. Yes, that's that's New Worlds. That, yeah, that's, that's New Worlds. Sorry. Was, which is a game that I've actually played. Oh, yeah. And could never because the game was so buggy that it would crash half the time you played it. Yeah. And folks, we're aware, we're aware that Spaz has some audio issues. We're just rolling with it. Um, we don't know what's going on. We've, we've tried troubleshooting it before the show started, and we, we haven't figured it out yet. So we know we've, we, we've we're aware. every conceivable head against every conceivable wall, and uh, yeah. this is the best we got. Yeah, so we, we're aware of it. We apologize. Uh, we're going to roll with it anyway We're because do, we're doing it live. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so that is a good one, Spaz, Birth of the Federation. It is a weird one because it's like, wait, you're starting from, like, the, the literal Birth of the Federation, yet all you have is next-gen characters, and, like, it's just a weird. It's just a weird. It's because they didn't have the license. For I know. The I, I, I I know. That's why it's so weird. It's like, wait, you're talking. You're in the TOS era, even pre TOS, and yet you only. I don't understand. It's so weird. Uh, There's also other stuff. Well, yeah, you like, start off with Earth ships as your, or if you're Federation, you start off with the Oberth. So that's technically from the TOS era, but. Yeah. What? Anyway, but yeah, still. it's yeah. such a weird. But yeah, it's one of those. I mean, that's I also. I will say. Go ahead. Definitely the best for uh, forex Star Trek we've got, considering so far we've had two. <laughs> and the second <laughs> yeah, one is a Stellaris mod with aspirations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, and, it's actually and, and, good. And you, Rather, it's better than base Stellaris. Though I would say you could technically count uh, Starfleet Command. Three, the uh, the sense of a solar empire mod. If, if you count that it's as a game, X, it, it is. It's four X enough that uh, it counts for me because I yes, but it's a mod for an already dubiously four X game. So let's go with two. It's it's four X. It's four X ish. It's four X. Let's go with two and a half. It's four X. Just like let's take the medium. It's 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 in the garage of the four X house. It's not actually in the house. It's in the garage, hanging out. Delightful way of putting it. But 
But yeah, that's a good yes, one. Uh, that is Star a good one. Hollywood aspirations, but also yes. Uh, gone. Yeah, Birth of the Federation was you know not not a bad game. It did have some issues, but like yeah, why can't we buy that one? But we can buy other Star Trek. That doesn't make. I know it's licensing. It's got to be deeper than just licensing. But I mean, because that was made. Wasn't that made by Interplay? Also, that one. I believe. And there were other Interplay. Oh, yeah, it was, I think it was Interplay or or maybe Taldrin, uh, one of the two. I but Taldrin did Starfleet. But St- Taldrin did Starfleet Command one. So again, why? Do, I, it also baffles me that we have Starfleet Academy available, but not Klingon Academy. So <laughs> it's just it's baffling. It is baffling. Yeah, the whole Star that it's we, always licensing. I know, games. but it's so frustrating. It's it could be a music yeah. thing. It could be like maybe the composer of that game, you know, didn't have the rights for that particular music. It's always freaking music, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, Julie, do you have a game that you, you know, enjoyed or that you, but you can't legally buy anymore? Yes. Although I had three, although I found a legal way around one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, tra- I've always been a big Transformers fanned long before they had the movies um transformers war for cybertron transformers fall of cybertron oh yeah transformers rise of the dark spark now my understanding they got pulled from steam because of uh licensing issues with hasbro and the evil giant paramount um but the d the deal is i found at least i can still get the steam key and did uh, for transformers fall of cybertron i had an old copy of transformers war for cybertron but there's digital rights management you have to have the disc in the computer and one my computer doesn't have a disc drive in it too and i've lost the original disc Uh. so (laughs) and so because of this i can never play transformers War for Cybertron again. I I understand about the licensing issues, but you know, it's the it's not as bad in that case when as it is when a licensing issue is just simply like well with Nintendo sometimes we don't we don't want anybody to play this game, so we're not going to let anybody buy it. Why? So we can put it on our live service server. That, said, that well, is a that is a separate thing I wanted to talk about, but yeah, I'm glad you're touching on that. So, and I'm happy to bitch about that later on in the show. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll get to that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll. I definitely want to talk about that also. Um, Jacob, do you have a game that you can no longer buy that you wish you could? Uh, okay, no longer buy on, uh, online or via any sensible distribution networks because there are copies of it still lying around. And I think I have one stashed somewhere in a box, but it barely works, which is, which ties into a sort of sub, uh, subtopic in the uh, games preservation issue of games that you can get, but because of technology, but because of technology <laughs> programming horrible, they're unplayable. God, yeah. <laughs> but, so the, the game is a, uh, the game is actually a 2000, hold on, let me, let me just pull up, make sure I don't just talk out of my ass here. Uh, yeah, it is a 2006 uh, real-time strategy game simply called Rise of Legends. Yes! Rise of Legends Yes, is a 
technically technically semi-sequel to the game Rise of Nations, which I would best describe as Age of Empires, Age of Empires combined with Empire Earth into something slightly more sensible. Essentially, Age of Empires where, where you, instead of going from, you know, Bronze Era to hitting each other with Bronze Swords Era to hitting each other with Metal, with Steel Swords Era, you go from you go from wooden sticks and rocks to nuclear weapons within the span of a single full playthrough. It's, it's, it has a fantasy steampunk aesthetic. It's, it's its own universe. Uh, Like again, I'm talking right now about rise of nations, the original rise of legends. Yeah. Rise of legends. Yes. What I would kind of describe as a Starcraft ish. Well, it's, it's kind of a hybrid between age of empires and Starcraft because it has Starcraft's faction mechanics. Uh, while it is, at its co- at its core, a fairly straightforward uh, real time uh, real time strategy with mm, take by, that where you take over cities and do all sorts of fun stuff with that. It has three factions, and all of them are insane. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> I want I want you all to understand. You start <laughs> off with uh, the so called Vinci, who are who are. Uh, uh, who are insane steampunk murder people uh, that run on action that run on da- on Da Vinci style helicopters, electronic guns, and giant robots, and they are the and they are the most sensible faction. <laughs> then uh, you get the you get the second one whose name eludes me. Uh, the alien, sorry, the, the alien or the Allen, depending on your uh, pronunciation. Who are your your tr- more tradi- uh, traditional magic? However, they go quadruple down on the magic by by having a lot of uh, by instead of going by usual e- elements, having sand, fire, and glass, having all sorts of weird dragons, uh, lizards, and other gnarly creatures that they throw at uh, at you. And they have giant floating cities that could just well, they can't get up and leave. That's the other ones. And then finally, we have this so-called Kuwatl, who are um, sci-fi Aztecs. I think that's the best way to describe them. That basically, basically, they're Aztec-ish people there who uh, had a giant alien spaceship land on top of them, and then they stripped it off for all the technology and are now walking about with laser guns. <laughs> and then the aliens, uh, and then the aliens woke up and realized they could just pretend they're gods and uh, take over the place. So that's fun. So all of that. All of that, apparently, despite staggeringly great reviews at 84 on Metacritic, the game apparently didn't sell all that well, and the developer Big Huge Games kind of forgot about it. And what annoys me the most is that the previous game, the first game mentioned, Rise of Nations, the Age of Empires-like, did get a re-release. It did get a remake, a remaster in the form of the Excel Edition, which works exceptionally well. But we still haven't gotten any kind of re-release for the second game, despite the fact that it's the newer game. Yeah, it's and I I I love that game. I'm I'm terrible at it. I've never gotten that far in it. I should um It I is should. not easy, admittedly. Uh Oh, you, got, you guys could hear that smashing. I'm sorry about that. There's construction going on next door, and it was particularly loud. Ah. Mo- it was it was particularly loud a moment ago. I apologize. Um, I usually try and mute my mic when I'm not talking, but sometimes I forget. Um, I apologize for that. 
Yeah, that's that one is also baffling because it's it's mostly the same team that made Rise of Nations. Am I remembering that correctly? It's like yes. a lot of this, it's yeah, a, the same. And they're, they're still in operation, though. I think they're like owned by Xbox or something. It's, something's going on there, but they're still very much intact, and they apparently still own the rights to their franchise. No yeah. questions asked. And that game but was they just. It's such a great, just, such a great game. Like 2006 had some great real-time strategy games like that and Battle for Middle-Earth 2. There was some great stuff around then. Um, but, yeah, you can't buy that one either, come to think of it. <laughs> yep. That's another one you I, can't buy. <laughs> thank you for bringing up number two on my list. <laughs> because I've played the hell out of that game and I'm still annoyed I can't get it anywhere. <laughs> oh... <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I was going to bring it up later if you like run out of time, but no, I get to bring it up now. Okay, sure. So, Battle for Middle Earth, particularly Game Two, because Game One kind of sucked. Uh, it was all right. It was bad, but the second one was, is miles it above. Was provably worse. It was provably worse than the second one. That's the oh, most yeah. relevant. The, the so, second, the second one is so much better than the first one. Battle for Middle Earth. Yeah. When you think of when you think of uh, tie-in games, you don't think they're going to be pretty good. When you think of tie-in RTSs, you think they're going to be terrible. But surprisingly enough, uh, ba- uh, Battle for Middle Earth, which is based, of course, on the Lord of the Rings, on the Tolkien on the Tolkien books, mind you, uh, is another stellar real-time strategy. Uh, uh, both of them, though the second one is a lot better. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have much else to say about it. It's just exceptionally good. It's it, just exceptionally good. I ha- played the hell out of it. It has an amazing campaign, really great units. The meta map uh, mode is wonderful. It allows for a There's lot so of replayability. Oh my God, it yes. Is so, it is, some would argue, more faithful to the books than the film. Yeah, yeah. The film it technically apes aesthetically, it's, it, but it's it's a gorgeous game, especially when you get the the HD mods for it. Uh, it's a gorgeous game even today. Um, it, it it is, and a, they even got vo- and they got voice actors. Well, actors from the film to voice to voice act certain roles, which is very good because look, I I know I, I can sometimes be a pedant about Lord of the Rings, but the films are really good. <laughs> and the and the game stayed like kept the film's aesthetics while bringing over stuff from the books that the films either forgot about or couldn't properly get in. Yeah, and and they did a great job. They were it's probably some of the finest fantasy real time strategy games you can get, but you can't get them. That's and the thing. <laughs> now they're nowhere to be found, despite them being owned by Electronic Arts. Yeah, it's maybe wow. it's yeah, it's it's it's, it, it's not like there is some kind of dev hell. This is EA we're talking about. We know they still have the license. Yep. yep. Actually, and, no, they just it is profitable, so they won't right, they true. release it. Yeah, which is, I mean, I think and, if they, I think if they release. Sorry. Well, hang on a sec, Brian. When it comes to game, uh, they also have to renew the licenses to the property that they're using if they're going to keep on pushing them out. So if they're going to re-release it, they have to re-renew all the movie licenses that they had, and if they don't have those anymore, that's more money that they may not recoup. And so for them, they don't see it as profit. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's it's infuriating because those are exceptional games. And there, if you want to try and buy legal versions like the discs, well, you got to have a disc drive because they they ain't available digitally legally. Um, yeah, they're expensive as hell. <laughs> like, I think if you want just the base game and not the expansion, it's like close to a hundred dollars just for the base game. The expansion's also great. Uh, Wrath of the Lich King, also fantastic. Um, yeah, fantastic. There, if you're a real time strategy fan and a um, and a real time uh, and a Lord of the Rings fan, and you have money to burn, yeah, get them. But they're expensive, and why why we can't buy them on Steam or GOG today is baffling. Um, it's probably a music thing. <laughs> Again, it's probably a music. It's always the music. Well, movie likenesses, all of that. Is yeah, related. it's absolutely I know. Because it, it, yeah, they're they're cut, and if they don't get it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I uh, would go on a massive, a massive rant about IP law right now, but we only have the, about sixty minutes of podcast, not not six hundred. <laughs> I know it's just, it's like, why do they only write these contracts for like a year or two? Like, I, I mean, digital distribution. Don't give a shit. Well, and digital distribution. To be fair, digital distribution wasn't really a thing in two thousand six, so maybe they didn't think that people will still be buying the same game in five or ten years like they do today. Um, because like they had to think about actual store shelves back in 2006. So that might have also something to do with it, I guess. But it's just so frustrating that, yeah, two, two of the finest real-time strategy games ever you cannot buy digitally today, legally. Um, what was the third one you were going to mention since, uh, we're, since we're here? What was the third one? I don't remember having. I don't remember having a third one. Oh, I, I thought you said couple. you had. A, I thought you said you had a third one. I thought you said you had three of them. I can certainly come up with something, but I don't want to hog all the airtime. Thank you very no, much. that's fine. Those are two fantastic <laughs> picks, in my opinion. Those are two fantastic picks. Um, but yeah, we'll move on. I guess, uh, David, did you have at least one game that uh, you wish you could buy digitally today? Um. Hmm. Well. Um, I haven't spent too much time thinking about this, so. Uh, but uh, are we allowed to talk about uh, MMORPGs at this point? Of course, like uh, it's a game. Uh, as as of course, it's a yeah. game. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, it's going to be one I have mentioned before. Then, of course, it's going to be pretty easy. That's auto assault. What is it? Auto assault. Auto Net assault. Devil. Yeah, from Net Devil. Their their uh, their other MMO. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry that I pulled their resources. I suppose, but I'm sorry. Hey, because of Ottawa's because of Ottawa Salt sadly failing, Jumpgate Evolution never happened. So I am a little, I I am feeling a bit salty about that. I will be honest, but I know, yeah, I know a lot of people who loved Ottawa Salt. You included, but I know a lot of people who loved Ottawa Salt, and they were crushed because a lot of people played both games at the same time. But there were a lot of Jumpgate players who. To support Net Devil, also played Auto Assault at the same time. Same. And uh, I, I want more role playing games with tanks, please. <laughs> there really aren't that many either. Um, and yeah, I remember people in the Jumpgate chat being absolutely devastated when they announced that Auto Assault was being shut down. And I don't think there's an emulated version. Like, you know, there's an emulated version of Star Wars Galaxies, of Jumpgate, of. Earth and Beyond, for God's sakes. But I don't think there's an emulated version of Auto Assault out there. 
haven't checked, so I don't know. But I've, I don't think. Uh, but then again, that gets into a le- that gets into a legal gray area that we really can't, at least publicly, yeah. support because <laughs> because like emulation's a whole thing, and 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 we can't like go like, hey, go here and and download this. We can't do that. But I don't. I, I honestly don't know if there's an emulated version of Auto Assault like there are with so many other MMOs. I'd be worth looking up on your own on your own time, but just don't tell us about it. Yeah, <laughs> just, don't, just don't just don't say anything about it publicly. <laughs> oh, man. And, well, I, I I may have another pick here. Oh, uh, go ahead. Which uh, which kind of feels like kind of relevant nowadays uh, since uh, last week Konami of all people managed to well sloppily or not very in not very with not very good quality they did re-release uh, the first volume of metal gear solid uh the master collection were in air quotes oh didn't that just come out like recently yeah like last week and i wish more developers could do that i want like you know what I'm going to say here, Jacob. So let, 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 let you say it. And that, that's going to be Armored Core, of course. I know it's 15 games, but please, I want them. <laughs> yeah, just, just the Armored Core collection. They could do that in volumes, like volume one, yeah. volume two, because there's so many of them, and they're on all these disparate platforms. Like, there's some on the PlayStation. There's some on the PSP. There's, I think, was there a Vita one? Or are they just PSP? There was a Vita port of a PS2 one. Of course. Okay. (laughs) And if I remember correctly, that version also had some more parts as well from like Nexus or stuff like that. So uh, it's like parts from different entries into an earlier entry. Why? Why does it have to be like this? I mean, mean, at least we got Armored Core 6. Yes, that is something. Yes, now we just need Half Life Three, and we can officially say that a chapter <laughs> of gaming has ended. That does bring up an I... interesting point. Like a lot of these older games are on consoles that don't exist anymore. But it's interesting. Some of these consoles, their shops still work. Like the PlayStation Three shop still works, for example, and you could still buy stuff on it. <laughs> Bafflingly enough. Um, oh, yeah. Um, speaking of which, if I may, yeah, I was curious about some statistics, so I looked them a few up. Awesome. And that's because on a long trip to see the opening of a temple in Japan, uh, my Game Boy Color saved me. Color saved me from going insane. Or, huh. uh, but I looked this up, and the source is GameIndustry.biz, so I trust it. Uh, of those games released before 1985, only 3% are still available. 85? 3%. Before 1985, only 3% are still in print and available. Wait, there weren't a lot of... Are you, ta- are, are you, are you sure? Because there weren't a lot of games made before 1985. There, but that's the point. If we're talking about the Commodore era, that kind of thing. Oh. So, yeah, so... Uh, and for some people, and some people may say, oh, Commodore 64, I've got a friend that still has one. But more importantly to me, anyway, that I was curious about, uh, as far as handheld systems, uh, it said the for the Game Boy, only 5.7% are still available. 
uh, it says, with 5.7% of the Game Boy and 2.7% of the Game Boy Color and 7.5% of the Game Boy Advance title still available, the rest are hopefully you can get them on eBay or someplace because you can't get them anymore. Yeah, that's that's like I I think a lot of these game companies don't understand the they the, it feels like sometimes they do understand the power of nostalgia but they don't. And so all these games disappear, all these shops disappear like like um this kind of leads into the next thing I was talking I wanted to talk about was all these e-shops shutting down. Like recently uh the 3DS shop shut down and the uh Wii U shop shut down and I think they just recently announced that uh the Xbox Live Marketplace for at least the 360 I believe will be shutting down next year. And, and so here's, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, here's as much as I am a Nintendo fan. Uh, this is like a big bird flip toward Nintendo because they announced that starting in 2023, it may have already happened, but I just looked it up. They said they were going to permanently remove NES, Super NES, Nintendo 64, all from the marketplace permanently so they could put them in their online service, which means I'm going to go in my garage and dig out all the NES games. It's so gross. I mean, I'll be honest, I pay for that online service because I like it a lot, but um, it's it's like people don't want to, I, I don't know, like, do people want to subscribe to a service or do they want to buy the game outright one and done? Like, it's, that's a weird question. Like, like good. If it's an old uh, if it's an old Pokemon game, which, you know, like I say, in odd circumstances, when I got long trips, I have to go on. And if I'm the passenger, uh, you know, it's not always available internet. And uh, I would rather be able to just buy the game and put it on a portable system like my Switch, but you can't anymore. Or the Game Boy Color. Which I still have. <laughs> I still I, I have my GBA, which can play uh, original and color games. I, I love it for that reason. <laughs> it's it's so weird too. Like Nintendo seemed to, for a while at least, understand that we want to bring our games with us to your next machine. You know, like they did that. What up to the DS? I think, and and then they totally change gears it it makes uh it makes no no sense to me uh yeah jose we don't talk about unofficial sources that's why we're that's why we're ranting about this that we know there are you know unofficial ways to get things there are means yeah there are means yeah, but we're we, trying to avoid talking we, we cannot support them <laughs> and we cannot talk about them we cannot point you to them but we know they're there <laughs> Yeah, no, Fernando, you're absolutely right. Like, people of a certain age, most of us, have grown up along with these games. Like, we, um, like, like my first game was Pong, you know, in, in 1977. <laughs> um, and so, so many of these games, 
you know, have it's it's like we we've watched the evolution of this entire industry in front of our eyes, and yet so much of that is lost. You know, it's it's kind of like the the Library of Alexandria. You know, it 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 feels kind of like that where we're just losing all this important art. Um, because who knows what game is going to inspire the next. Oh God, I almost said Peter Molyneux. Uh, the next uh, John Carmack or the next, um, who's a good game designer? Who, who's that guy that made Deus Ex? He's a good guy. Um, Warren Spector? Is that his name? Uh, yeah. Who knows what old game could inspire the next, uh, you know, guy who made a good thing? I don't know. Des- I don't know designers anymore, but um you know, it's just, it's, it's such a, it, it just all these games disappearing and all these things shutting down, just it, it, like, what do we, what can we do about it? Like, we don't all have $25,000 to go out and buy the entire 3DS eShop e- before it shuts down. <laughs> well, you know, here's a quote on that very issue. And it was in the source again is gameindustry.biz. And that's a great know, source. That's a great source. I don't know what this guy has developed or not. I, I don't know the guy's name, but he's currently uh, at teaches at Vancouver Film School. The guy's name is Christopher Mitchell. And he talked in this article about that very thing about uh, a lot of the old classic games, the mechanics they use. And he said, for, and one of the examples he used in the old games, he said, the old days, if you got stuck, you had to turn it off and go think about it for a week or or so he said, now you, turn, so you just go now you go look look it up on on the internet and he said a lot of the mechanics of the older games and what has inspired him to you know as far and other developers to, as far as future games and this particular quote i pulled out of an article i really like he said and he was talking about uh because of people want to put on their games on online services libraries being able to preserve them digitally but not lend them digitally and he said his quote was i want to see a world where intellectual property holders simply allow the classic games to exist and be played online legally for cultural reasons and i would never oh, God. Ever dream of putting a rom on my phone because i'm isolated on a long trip in the back seat no i would never ever do that <laughs> i i mean why isn't there uh, uh some kind of thing where once a game stops being legally sold it just becomes available to the public i mean they're not going to make because IP law exists because IP law exists only in so far as it can make someone money. But I mean, if, if a game is no well, longer... Go ahead. I'm well, naive, The so answer please. I would say is because... The, the reason why is because when a game is taken off of services, taken, uh, taken down uh, by its own developers or its publisher... That doesn't mean that the public gets it for free. It doesn't become open source automatically at that point. It has to be a conscious decision by the people working on it to make it open source if they want to make it open source. 
And if they don't, that's their choice. It's not up to the public to decide that it must be. No, I, I mean, I do no, agree that's with the you. Real- yeah. That's the reality, but also reality. why do we have it like that? And should we? I why guess do we is have the question. Like because uh, if it's a licensed game, the people who who have sub-licensed their, their content to the developers for that, they still want to take their cut. If, if people are still playing the game, even if they're not spending any money um say a revival project then the people who worked on it or the people who have licensed that still want their their cut because it's out there as advertising that's the other reason why a lot of these games that end up being licensed games that that die and are removed from services completely get removed from services completely because it also acts as free advertising. And if they take the IP in a different direction, they don't want comparisons to, hey, this is what you had before. (sighs) Takes away from whatever they're working on. So, (sighs) again, that's the reality. It sucks, but it is also... Yeah, I mean... I, I don't I don't want to demand, hey publishers, you know, you know, make everything open source, but it would be nice if more publishers and developers were more forward thinking about their legacies, you know, and the legacies of these games and to be like, okay, maybe after a certain amount of time that no one's buying this anymore, we we, we the the rights go to the public, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, problem is legacies don't make money, or rather they're not useful insofar as they don't make money. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, if it's not a licensed game where there are no IP rights involved aside from those of the developer, then it's a little bit easier for them to say, uh, we're still going to make the game available for sale, we're going to keep it available for sale, but we'll release the source code, and then if you want to mod it based off that source code you can yeah and and i wish that, that happened more often yeah it's i mean it has happened with you know free space and other games um but it needs to happen a lot more often because we're just so many games are disappearing but on the flip side of that i want to talk about some positive stuff for once we're seeing more and more games coming on to steam and GOG that are really surprising. Like I had no idea tornado was going to hit steam. <laughs> For example, um, when I started playing it a few months ago, like that was a delight and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's part of a broader, Hey, publishers have these IPs. Let's start making money off of them, I guess, and put them on steam <laughs> and GOG. Cause I mean, us older gamers have more money now <laughs> and, we, and we, we don't want to deal with buying something on eBay and then fiddling with DOSBox and trying to make it work or buying a damned emulator, you know, like <laughs> we just want to get a game and have it work again. And so I think it's good that we're seeing more and more of this happening, you know, but at the same time, it's not enough. It, it's, it's just, it's nowhere near enough. I think there's also remake. 
there's also remakes. Tomorrow, uh, as we record this, uh, Star Ocean, the second story, R, which is a remake of Star Ocean, the second story, which originally came out on the PS1 and is widely considered by many fans to be the best game in the Star Ocean series. It's getting a re-release tomorrow. And I pre-ordered it. I can dive in. See, that's great. See, that is great. And we've we've we have seen a lot of great, you know, refreshes and remakes. I mean, look how many Final Fantasy games have gotten remasters and and refreshes. And I think there are a few companies like Square Enix that understand that hey, old gamers you know, have money now <laughs> and they want, they, want, they want to dive into that nostalgia, you know, um, let's bring that old stuff back. There are some, there are some companies that do get it, um, which is great, but I, I just wish there were more companies doing that. Like Microsoft, how many amazing games does Microsoft have in their stable? <laughs> That they could re-release. Like, why the fuck, excuse my language, why the fuck can't I go to GOG and Steam right now and buy Freelancer? Why? <laughs> I know it's probably a rights thing, yada, 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 but that baffles me. <laughs> well, a side note, something else that's baffling uh, just came out recently that in... A recent Capcom R&D presentation, uh, Capcom had clarified its stances on mods and PC gaming. Mm-hmm. They consider mods cheating, and they are worried that, quote, mods that violate public order or morals, unquote, will cause them PR damage. <sighs> so, some developers are taking a backwards uh, look, a regressive look at the PC market and you know unfortunately it. Capcom is one of those. God damn it. I saw that on the news my news feed this morning and my first thought was without the modding community it would there would some games like I it would be like Skyrim what? Who the hell plays Skyrim anymore? <laughs> and and uh, so- what? And Cyberpunk 2077 well, is like looking to be the next Skyrim in that regard. Like so many mods are coming out for Cyberpunk that like in a few years it's well, probably going to be here, the next Skyrim. Say again? To be clear, with Capcom uh, one of the things with them is that Capcom has they've kind of been stuck in it is a cultural thing for some Japanese companies where they are really not thinking of the times that they are currently in. And so they're equating, in this case, mods to piracy. <sighs> Even though that they, they may be things that add accessibility for people who need them, they still see that as, as piracy because it has that potential. Or things like... Uh, Adding nude mods for uh, child characters, you know that that kind of thing. I could see as them not wanting to have, and most people of a reasonable maturity would not want that. But sure. those things do it. Yeah, of course, those things definitely do exist. And uh, and even though a lot of sites like say 
Nexus mods wouldn't want to host that. There are sites that absolutely would. So I can sort of see their point. Yeah, they'll spaz bad example with the child thing the Japanese would not care. <laughs> no, in case, uh, there is a certain mod site that would host that kind of thing because they did. And it's also a site that hosted a mod for Starfield that removed all the people of color from it. What? Got it. Well, I'm, was it shut down, I'm guessing? What? No. No, no. There was a mod for Starfield that removed all people <clears throat> of color from I guess I guess it shows how <laughs> much I've been on the internet that at this point it doesn't even remotely surprise me. Yeah, there's also a Nexus mod. Mods, wait, Sorry. Nexus mods removed that mod and they and they banned the, the people who made it for re-uploading it after removing it the first time. The other site I will not mention the name of posted that and a nude mod for the recent Harry Potter game. Oh, God. Oh, right. oh so, God. Uh, fuck. Uh, oh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Hang so, on. again, is I, I can kind of see... Is that the same website that, like, uh, posted the one, uh, the one mod for the Battletech video game that just removed, the, removed they, them pronouns? Is that the one? Uh, that is a mod they... They uh, also had on that site removing the they them pronouns so, yes. on Starfield. Uh, uh, amidst all the bad news and bad things, I wanted to bring up something that's been preserved, whether mm-hmm. it was out of greed or whatnot. There was an old Infocom game, and this mm-hmm. was the second PC game I ever played. The first game at all I ever played was Pong, of course. But one of the first PC games I ever played was Zork. And it's a text-based game. And it was done by Infocom. And ultimately, the company went under and it was sold by to Activision. But it was, was all the way back from 1977 when Cars had 426 cubic inch engines and gasoline was 35 cents a gallon, both of which I had. Uh, and this is something that did not disappear. And you can buy all the Zork games currently on good old games and Steam. And Zork has been described as one of the most influential interactive games of all time. And this is a success story where it's still been preserved and you can still buy it. Yeah. And um, people still make interactive fiction today. Like there's still, there's competitions. They're like yearly competitions. People are still making, um, of inter- people are still making text-based interactive fiction games today. You can still go out and download stuff that people are making today. And Zork is, a straight line to that sort of thing. Absolutely. And there's a company called Inkle. That's a straight line from that to, uh, to, from Zork to uh, one of the more recent ones, the captain, which is really good. Yeah. What were you going to say, Julie? No, just that there's a, there's a company called Inkle that that's what they do. Interactive fiction. That's the whole, the whole thing they do. Some, I mean, some are like take a, a book form. Some have graphic, like a visual novel, but interactive fiction is what this company does. And if it weren't for people like the developers, like Mark Blank, who did Zork or, 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 uh, 
the the developers of mud uh, that i i doubt that the that game would have ever the inkle would ever have existed yeah so yeah i mean there are some shining spots where old games are still available and they're still being preserved and there are there are actual organizations out there uh, i think there's one in oregon which um, has like a giant warehouse of, of physical copies of games they're trying to preserve. Um, and, and, and there are people like reverse engineering, you know, games to try and, um, uh, and, and whatnot. So sorry, I'm very tired today. I'm kind of losing my train of thought. Um, so there are some bright spots in this regard. Um, you know, there are a few, but, for the most part, I think those numbers you uh, threw at us earlier, Julie, are, are probably indicative of the genre. I mean, the the industry as a whole. Like, there's probably a, there probably is a one, there's probably a single digit percentage of the total games available that we can actually have access to legally. Um, and it's just so sad. Like, you can't buy the first three elite games. You can get a freeware version called Pioneer, but you can't buy Elite, Frontier, or First Encounters. <laughs> Even though the company is still very much going. Yeah. They can and have no reason not to put those up. They'll take Elite Danger. Frontier develop. They'll take your Frontier money. Frontier developments yeah. are still very much alive. They'll take your money for. Somehow still they going. They'll take your money for Elite Dangerous, which is, let's be fair, the worst Elite game out of all four of them. Um, uh, oh, right. Uh, elite. Uh, yeah. Yeah, out of the four Elite games. Yeah, there's. It's the worst of them. <laughs> but that, that yes, baffles me. No. There's another example in, um, in PT. In what? Familiar with PT? PT? Yeah. PT. PT. Oh, uh, the Silent Hill playable teaser, which uh, happened. Yeah. Then Kojima got booted out of uh, Konami because Konami is Konami and Konami is the worst. Uh, and now <laughs> we have no idea what's happening to the actual franchise. No, no. Last no. I wait, here's wait, the thing. Yeah, well, here's the thing specifically regarding PT. Okay. What they I'm not familiar with the full PT. story. Yeah, what they did with PT is that it was a demo you could download. So that's the big the big takeaway from that yes but it used to be available as a download that you could still download it if you had downloaded it before it was technically in your library they delisted it completely and so even if you had downloaded it before if you didn't have it currently downloaded on your ps4 you could no longer re-download it so it's just gone it's literally just gone. The only people who still have it on their PS4s are people who had it downloaded to their PS4s and didn't delete it. <sighs> have they you been know? able have they been able to get it off their PS4s and put it somewhere? Do you know? No. We don't know that. <laughs> no. Of oh. all of all the people who are not preserving games, I wanted to bring up an organization that is preserving games, and it's called the Video Game History Foundation, and you can Google it. And at least somebody is making an effort to preserve what used to be and the influences on games today. So 
there is somebody out there who's doing something. About yeah, it. yeah. There are there are uh, multiple organizations. That's one of them. I think there's a a museum in uh, Norway that's also doing a lot for games preservation. They're also a games museum as well. Like I said, um, I think it's Norway. Um, there are at least about half a dozen organizations. I think they come to mind that are trying to work to preserve games. But I mean, it's tough because, you know, it's not like the source code for these old games is around. All we have are cartridges and discs and uh, <laughs> people don't hold on. People don't hold on to these things. Like I remember um, we had the guys who did sort of the stars on a while back. And uh, they were talking about how they can't find the source code for the Homeworld game they worked on. And and they can't find the source code for the Treasure Planet game they worked on. And they're just gone. Like, absolutely gone. Just not there. Yeah, like, they, they're just gone. And it's, it's just such a goddamn shame. That's why we don't have an HD remake of uh, the, the middle Homeworld game. Homeworld Cataclysm. Yes, the good one. In my, now sorry. known as Homeworld emerges because of Blizzard. <laughs> sorry. That's right. Shit, I forgot about that. Because apparently Blizzard thought that Homeworld Cataclysm was a bit too old to World of Warcraft Cataclysm, despite that example coming back, coming out like 10 years before the release. You know, you know, Jacob, we're stupid. We're gamers. We're dumb. We get confused easily. It's our fault. I mean, it's totally yourself, our fault. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I fell down the stairs. It's totally our fault. I walked into a door. It's totally our fault. Anyway. Uh, sorry. Goodness That's grief. Probably not the best analogy, but it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes. Look, uh, I'm 23 and I already feel ancient. I don't even want to think how y'all are feeling. It's... Thank you. It's um, it's it can be exhausting. You won't have a day where bad pain. <laughs> it's exhausting. You it, won't have a day where yeah, it's without back pain. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah take, take take your pills. Uh, it's exhausting. Yes. <laughs> it's it it's exhausting. Um, being an older game fan because we know what we've lost. I guess that's the thing. We we know what we've lost. In terms what? of games that have dis- just disappeared, to, what what constitutes older at this point, though? Because I'm here. It's- Who's younger than me? Children, actual children. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, gee. I mean, I well, mean, something I, mean, I want. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, like, gaming eras are so fast and short that. You could call an older game something from five years ago, I think, at this point. That's when things start getting older. And anything you could call ancient is pre-2010, maybe? Goodness gracious. I, I know. Well, game gaming moves so quickly. You know? It's such a fast industry that... Just remember that... Just remember that we live in a time in which the children of today could be graduating high school and never had lived in a world without the internet. Yeah. Like oh boy. their entire life, they've always had it and they just, they just took it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, many of us lived in the time before you could easily look something up. 
Yep. Yep. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up here is that sometimes if games aren't preserved, now, uh, sometimes even source codes are lost by accident. Square Enix once lost the source code to Final Fantasy X, and they oh. had to reverse engineer it off a disk. So I think about some of the older games, uh, the source code for Blade Runner was lost by Westwood Studios when they moved to their L.A. offices. So. Hmm. And I rem- I forget which game it was. I was reading about a a developer talking about some older game, and he said, "I know it's in here in this studio somewhere on one of the PCs." <laughs> and uh, and if nobody makes an effort to preserve these, that sometimes it can be just lost entirely by accident. And I just want to bring up an, uh, on the subject of older, since I'm probably the oldest one here. Is probably. I was in the play in, I was in play in college. Uh, about a Vietnam War veteran, and they asked me to play the Vietnam War veteran because I was the only one who had ever, besides the director, who had ever even heard of the Vietnam War. Sea of blank faces. I what? Was an older student. Yeah, I was an older student because I had to put myself through college, and it was about a Vietnam War veteran, and I was the only one in the play in the play in the whole room had even even heard of the Vietnam War. That's that's sad. Just sad. Oh, jeez Louise. Yeah, so I guess let's try it on a positive note. Can you guys think of a company or I guess a company that might be doing the best job of maybe preserving their own their own games at the very least? Like is there a company that has been around long enough that they're doing a decent job of trying to save their own library? Because uh, Square Enix, I, I think is. Because I think Square Enix is one of them, right? I think Square Enix is trying to do a decent job. I mean, of course, they're trying to make money with remasters and stuff. It's but- a bit up and down, but I would actually mention a company that you know already, and that's Standing Stone Games, the developers of Lord of the Rings Online. Okay, that's that's a good one. How the hell that game has stayed up for all these years, <laughs> despite. All the adversity. I mean, didn't and they, every bigger th- and scarier MMO coming out in the meantime, and then dying, and then like it's just it just keeps going. It's still going. I think you've it's convinced me. To, years old. I think you've convinced me to jump back in. Isn't it older than that? I think it just. I think it just celebrated 15 years, didn't it? Didn't it come out uh, in 2007? I'll have to check. Steam says 2012. That might be the Steam release. Let me I check. think that's the Steam release. Yeah, I think it originally came out in 2000. Lord of the Rings Online, 2007. You were correct. My oh, so, yes. How did it survive that? All these years of trying to be, of like competing with World of Warcraft, with Guild Wars, with itself, with never, with like Neverwinter, Elder Scrolls Online mountains of MMOs coming out over the years. And this one, this one is the one that somehow survives. Even yeah, World of Warcraft is faltering, but oh, Lord of the Rings Online keeps going. No questions asked. It's still there. That's a good still point. Still there. And, and they keep making new expansions for it. Like a new one's just about yeah, to come out. One coming out soonish. In fact, I still remember uh, something that happened recently. Basically, Amazon is trying to do another MMO. Because the first one went so well. Oh, yeah. And it is going to allegedly be one based on uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, good luck with that, Good luck with that. Well, 
Yeah, that's the thing. What when when the elite, when one of the uh, shareholders was politely asked, "What are you gonna do about all the people playing Lord of the Rings online?" He went, "Well, I expect all of them to just move over." <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> not even they should. Not a they should. Not a. Not I a, expect. Well, well, it's. Fuck you. Not a, well, well, we offer a different experience. Not a, well, it's an old game, so maybe the players want something new. No, we just, we expect them to move over. I'm, I think Two I might... developers of Lord of the Rings Online politely tweeted out, don't worry, lads, we're not going anywhere. I'm, I've been thinking of resubbing to Lord of the Rings Online recently. Maybe I should get back into it. Jesus Christ. I got back into it recently. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I paid for it, but it, really it's, fun. It's a, it gives, well, it's, you can play a lot for free. You can play a lot of it for free. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's, there's so much in the game. Not as, mu great. not as much as Final Fantasy 14 for free. My God. But you can play a lot. Of yes. But also, <laughs> FF14 has more stuff in general, full stop, and also has the, never-ending might of Squeenix behind it, along with one of the best developers in uh, uh, in MMO history, and also having made a game, realizing the game sucked, and then salted the earth. Yeah. But that's all another fair thing. Um, side note, Captain Ply in the chat brings up Egosoft as a company doing a good job of preserving their own library, which is a that good is one. True. That's a good one. That is true. That's a good the one. The X games are all still playable. Yeah. Probably from the very first one. Yeah. That's a that's a very good one. That's a very good one, Captain. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the the folks behind, um, well, sort of ha the folks behind Eve Online are doing a decent job because their game is. It's, well, yeah, I mean, Eve is. Yes, disappeared. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, Eve Online is still going. It's been going for what twenty years now. Miraculously enough, yes, it's somehow still chugging along. Somehow, but they've had a lot of other projects that have disappeared by the wayside. So it's kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> uh, though I feel like, if, first of all, we should start wrapping up, and second of all, I yeah. feel like we should wrap this up on you know the highlight of preservation, which is uh, which is Volition Entertainment now now Deep Silver in their dying breath. Releasing the source code for Free Space Two, yeah, yeah, that's that's Which probably allows us to still play that game to these days instead of trying to fiddle with confusing and weird installation features. We instead can play this in a modern resolution on a modern launcher. Thanks, to, thanks to the fans who just keep this game keep this game going. Yeah, I, like, mean... I want you to understand. I have I have my fancy hundred something button uh, flight stick set up. That I've mentioned last uh, last podcast. Yeah, it works with Free Space Two. That's it amazing. just works with the updated Free Space Two. It just does. Yeah. No questions asked. Yeah, Luke some saying, madmen even some yeah. madmen even backported uh, open uh, track IR into it, which I haven't gotten to work. But you know what? You know, you've already done plenty. Yeah, that that's another. Luke brings up a good point. Source code releases our hero moves. He says, and that's true. Star Ruler, uh, Star Shatter. Uh, when open source, there's there are others I can't think of at the moment, but yeah, free space especially going open source. My God, I mean, oh yeah, Warzone twenty twenty one hundred. That's another good one. So I mean, there are bright spots. We just wish. I guess we're Got just going to wrap for you, Brian. Sorry, go ahead. One more for you before go we ahead. wrap up. Yeah, the trade. The what? The what? Every 
the Tracy brothers have every single one of their games still being supported and oh. patched. That's true. They keep right, on adding yes. stuff to everything. Uh, they patch them almost weekly. Right, because they sold they sold they sold their soul to the devil in exchange for never having to sleep. I understand, yes. These fellas. <laughs> so yeah. But every no. single one of their old games is still available. So yep, yeah. it is. That's true. Like from the very first one. So and they released a new one recently, right? Yeah, Cyber Knights, which I haven't Cyber tried Knights. yet. Yeah. Apparently it's good. Um so, nice. so there's some bright spots, but we just we just wish more there was that we just wish more there was be was being done. But we appreciate and we wanna thank all the dedicated fans and other and and organizations that do help preserve games um legally. <laughs> let's let's be very clear. Legally. <laughs> Cause there are other ways games are being preserved, but we can't talk about them. Um so that's going to do it for this show, you guys. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we don't know what our topic is going to be for next week. We're still working it out. Um, but thank you so much. It was a very great chat today. Uh, great chat. Thank you so much for being so active in the chat. And uh, that I, I, I'm losing my mind. Okay, we're, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, guys.